the Braves throw away another series. I had some uncharacteristic uh, errors out there, uh, myself included. Welcome to the Braves Report, the new podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black, joined by AJC Braves beat reporter Justin Toscano. He is at Truist Park currently as we record this, but he will be in Milwaukee when you hear it. And Justin, what a very bizarre game to end a very strange week. Yeah, yeah, really strange week, very crazy weekend, back and forth games against the Padres, and uh, yeah, the Braves set themselves up for a happy flight to Milwaukee, but uh, have to be kicking themselves after giving this one away. All right, coming up, we got a very big show this week. Gabe Burns and Tim Tucker will join us to break down morning baseball, streaming baseball, and comeback baseball, plus a chat with Tyler Matzik, answers to your mailbag questions, and we will pick our winners of the week. The Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is brought to you by Kroger. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. All right, we've got bases loaded today with current and former Braves AJC beat reporters. We've got Justin, and we've got Gabe Burns, who now handles features for us and fills in for Justin. And we've got Tim Tucker, who handles our sports business stories as well. And, and Tim, you were on the Braves beat at one point. What was the first baseball game you ever covered for a newspaper? You know, I remember it well because of what happened that game. It was the uh, second game of the... Now, this is really going to date myself, but it was the second game of the 1979 season. I had just turned uh, had just turned 22 years old and uh, was put on the Braves beat for the Atlanta Journal, which was the afternoon paper. The second game of the season was uh, in Houston. I was, you know, 22 years old and just marveling at the Astrodome. And Ken Forsh, Houston pitcher, threw a no-hitter against the Braves. So the first the first MLB game I ever covered, the Braves were no hit. But anyway, that was that was how it started for me, uh, covering a covering a no hitter, which pretty much, uh, you know, it was it was pretty representative of what that season was going to be like because the Braves had an awful season that year and for most years in that era. Before we talk about what happened this weekend, uh, want to first kind of dig into this bizarre schedule and TV situation, which was our top Brave story on AJC.com this week. In your career, at any level, have you ever covered a baseball game that started at 11.30 in the morning or any time in the morning? Uh, I have not. No, covered college football games that started uh, about that time, but uh, uh, but, not a, but not a baseball game. Uh, can't really say it's all that surprising given what we've all seen happen with Sports game times all geared to TV in recent years and decades, really now. But no, that's the first. I, I haven't seen an eleven thirty. I think I saw in Justin's notes it's the first, at least it may be the first Braves game ever to start at home at eleven thirty. But dating back at least as far as the records are kept, it was the earliest, right, Justin? Yeah, yeah. Um, nineteen eighty nine, I think, is what Elias had. So since at least nineteen eighty nine. Um, so. Tim, you've been in this a lot longer than me, but I, I've got to one-up you here. I've, I've covered a baseball game at 11.35 in the morning now. That's right. Today. <laughs> Gabe, thumbs up or thumbs down to brunch baseball? Well, I mean, I have no problem with it, but I'm also not there all the time. So I, was, I wasn't at the ballpark and covering for today. So 
Uh, yeah, I mean, whatever time they want to start these things. Uh, theoretically, they should end earlier. Uh, today's was not was not the case. That'll teach us. Yeah, so, uh, no, I mean, 1130, I mean, that's fine. I have no problem with it. Um, I, you know, we'll see about the whole Peacock, Apple, all of that's a whole different discussion, but 1130 is fine. I actually liked it because um, obviously I'm not playing in the game, but I think it allows you to kind of do have, have more of a normal day, um, especially when these games started. You know, I'm fine with one. I'm fine with noon. Uh 140, you know, 135, I think is is a little late. So I was fine with today. Not sure, you know, yet what the players are going to think about it after a bigger sample size of these going forward players on different teams. But I think the bigger issue, guys, is does anyone know how to access Apple TV or, or Peacock? I mean, I think there's so many people out there that don't know how to do that, which is representative in the fact that Tim's stories on this all season long have done so well. Tim, why, why do you think... Is it an issue that MLB decided to to kind of go for these streaming platforms first before addressing accessibility for local market fans, which kind of seems to be the biggest gripe we get so often? Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think, uh, I mean, this is uh, this was an inconvenience for one weekend for a lot of fans who aren't accustomed to using Apple or Peacock or aren't familiar with you know downloading apps. I mean, for 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 a lot of viewers. Probably the most aggravating part was they had to pay $4.99 if they wanted to subscribe to Peacock today to watch the game. The Apple telecast on Friday night was free. So the issue there was just if you had an Apple app or you were comfortable downloading one and you put in your Apple ID and that's really all there was to that. Today was pretty simple too, is you downloaded the app, uh, you signed up, but then the, the additional step today was unless you already had a premium subscription, uh, you had to pay for at least a month. But yeah, to your larger point, that's the much bigger issue, I think, is is not that these two games were available on streaming, but that the 154 Valley Sports South and Southeast games are largely not available to people who have cut the cable cord and are streaming. That's the biggest complaint by far I hear from Braves fans on this topic is that if they subscribe to uh, YouTube TV for their uh, TV service or... Um, Hulu, uh, and several other streamers as well. They cannot get the games, the 154 games that are on Valley Sports South and Southeast. And uh, so it seems, you know, it seems very inconsistent that MLB uh, did these two streaming deals, uh, brought in about $100 million, a little more combined from uh, uh, these two deals that affected the Braves games this weekend, but hasn't appeared to do anything to... uh, prod any kind of agreement between the uh, the teams, the 12, it's 12 or 14, I think it's 14 MLB teams that have local rights deals with Bally. So all those teams are largely shut out from fans who subscribe to literally any streaming service except DirecTV Stream, which does have the Bally networks. I, I guess one way it's going to play out is Bally plans to launch a direct-to-consumer app so that people who don't have access to the networks can pay a monthly fee just for the Valley app and access the games. The problem even there, though, is that they have to cut individual deals with teams to have the right to show the games on that app. And the Braves are, uh, I think, nine of the 14 teams that have deals with Valley haven't agreed to that, and the Braves are one of the teams that haven't. 
So whether the Braves will even be available on that app when he does launch is is doubtful. And Tim, that app but does not appear to be very uh, cheap. $20 a month is what they've set the price at. Now, I do know I have talked to a number of um, fans who are dedicated enough, I guess, to to getting the Braves telecast that they switch from uh, YouTube TV, which is, I believe, $65 a month, yep, to direct TV stream, which is $90 a month just for the season. Uh, so they're, in effect, paying an extra, what's that, $25 a month. Um, you know, it's just unfortunate how difficult it has become for a lot of people to uh, to access the games. Gabe, how was your experience this weekend? Well, I mean, I was there uh, during the Apple game. I'll just say, you know, we talk <laughs> talk about like how this is MLB trying to reach youth or something, and that doesn't really make any sense because I'm not sure why a younger person would be more inclined to watch a game on Peacock or Apple than they would be if they had access to it on ESPN or if they do have Bally or whatever. I get why MLB is doing it. I don't want to call it like just a, a flop. I mean, it's really early. It's not like, you know, like the, we have the K-Rod broadcast, you know, where they're copying the Manning cast and that thing is terrible. I mean, it, it's brutal. But so that, I mean, that's a miss. This, I don't know yet. But at the same time, you already see the way that people are reacting to it. I just, I don't know. Um, I'm gonna, I'm giving it time, but it, I know why MLB is doing it, but as far as when we talk about expanding the game's reach, reaching a younger audience, I don't necessarily see this as a means of really doing it. Let's go ahead and dig into the team now, 35 games into the season. Gabe, Tim, haven't really had you guys on yet as the season has started. So, Tim, you first. Has your opinion of the Braves changed at all from spring training to what you've seen by now? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess you would have to say we would have expected them to get off to a better start. Um it is kind of the nature of baseball is you you kind of tend to believe what you saw last, you know, and what we saw last was how the Braves played last August, September, October, first couple of days of November. You know, based on that, I don't think we expected them to, I believe they've only won two of their first 11 series. Uh, I think they're two, five, and four in series. So, you know, winning two of the first 11 series, I, I think we expected better than that. But uh, the biggest, probably the biggest difference from this point last year is not how the Braves are playing, because they really are playing about like they played their first four months of last season. You know, they don't look like the team of the last two months plus the postseason, but but they're basically playing like they did the first four months of last season uh, before the trade deadline moves. Uh, the biggest difference, though, is that, you know, how the Mets have been playing. Uh, no one broke away last year. And I mean, it's probably early to say the Mets have really broken away, but they've opened up a bit of a lead, which no one did last year. The other thing that's you know, maybe it's not surprising that it doesn't quite look like the team of late last season because it isn't. You know, uh, the four outfielders acquired at the trade deadline that we all talked about is the turning point. Two of them are not with the Braves anymore. One of them, Rosario, is uh, is out for a prolonged period and with his eye after his eye surgery, and uh, was not productive before that. And uh, Duvall obviously has struggled. So, so the. You know, that, that component of last year's team really hasn't been there this year so far. Yeah, uh, I'm really echoing Tim in every way there. Uh, it's It's been a disappointing start. Uh, it's definitely changed my view of this team at least a little bit. I, I thought they would come out strong. I looked, You know, you looked at the schedule. It was pretty favorable for them. Uh, I really – I didn't expect a slow start again this year. Now, that said, they've obviously climbed out of slow slow starts before. As Tim pointed out, this Mets team is pretty good. 
And over these last four years, there's only been one other team in the NL East that won 90 plus games during the Braves run. I mean, not, you know, obviously not counting what happened in 2020, but, and it was that Nationals team that won the World Series, but they were 10 games out on September 16th. So they weren't, they never pushed the Braves for the NL East that year. So this team, I think this Mets team is better than any of the other teams really uh, regular season wise that the Braves have faced during this, these last four years. I think that there's a chance this team will recover. They're better defensively than they've shown. There's a lot of guys who are going to start hitting. I mean, they will be fine, but when you start like this and with the Mets looking the way that they have looked, there's a pretty solid chance we sit here in September and the slow start really hurts them, you know, obviously at the very end, but so, yeah, I mean, it's changed my view. In that, you know, they're maybe not as um, complete as I thought they were. And there's certainly some things that, you know, Alex, you know, he can go out and have another, you know, trade deadline and address some of this stuff. But uh, it's definitely been an underwhelming opening. I'm starting to kind of think about how we're going to do this show this weekend. Uh, I wondered if the two last at-bat wins we saw this week would be a springboard to something. I said that eighth inning, I couldn't have sat, laid in bed and dreamed about a bad at- outcome for an inning and come to even close to that. And how them guys bounced back was unbelievable. That was manager Brian Snicker Saturday, but here he is again on Sunday. That is, it's hard. I mean, when you give them, like we saw, you can't give them teams more than three outs it's you'll get hurt you know it's hard to give teams extra outs yeah you want to you want to not make those uh, mistakes and uh, you know, just need to just tighten a few things up and, and you know, those guys keep throwing and just keep uh, putting together some high bats and uh, get on the winning track here that's matt olson on sunday and justin everything that could happen on saturday almost feels like it was wiped away by some bad defense and some strange play Right. Well, what happened on Sunday is kind of what happened on Saturday. The Braves just didn't score four runs to make up for what happened. So, I mean, as incredible as that comeback was in the eighth inning, you just cannot do these things against good teams. Um, it, it's a slow start. They should be fine. The one positive in here, if there is one, is that the guys who are making the errors, you know, Matt Olson, Austin Riley, Dansby Swanson, they're probably not going to make errors at this clip for the rest of the season like this. Um, so that's fine. But really, you can't be doing this. Um, other than the errors, my mind goes to Orlando Arcia trying to bunt over um, William Contreras in the bottom of the tent there. I think with a good offense like you know the Braves' offense, a great lineup, and a lineup that's going to turn over, uh, you're going to get Olsen and Riley, you would think, up to bat, um, you know, Olsen at least. You give your guys three shots, uh, three at-bats uh, with a runner on second to score one run. You know, you, you didn't need any more than that and I get that they hadn't scored after the fourth but these are just little things that you know they hope they turn the other way but it doesn't look encouraging right now because you're not seeing you're seeing fight in some days but you're just seeing the mistakes pile up and and that doesn't inspire much confidence even if we know how talented this team is. Gabe what do you think of the week that Kyle Wright had? I think Kyle Wright is one of the least of their concerns um, which is a good thing because you know we spend we spent much of spring training talking about how they needed one of these guys to step up, and they got it. Kyle Wright has done that and more. He looks every bit of the player they took fifth overall. Uh, I mean, he's a great guy, happy for him. You know, he, he's going to be fine. He's the least of their problems. So at least you have that. Um, uh, so, again, I mean, you hope that he can sustain it, and you're, you're going to hope that 
again, and Justin just said it, the defense is going to be better. It's not this bad. And these these are a lot of these guys are going to hit better than they have. So they're going to get going. I, I think that the question is how long is that going to take and how much is kind of the hole that they're putting themselves in now? Is that going to be something that, you know, obviously really costs them? And Tim, we, we heard this a lot, you know, over the week with, you know, the big dramatic wins on Wednesday and Saturday. And everybody kind of talks about, like, the circle this date game, right? You know, that moment that turns the season around. And all, in your experience covering baseball, do you believe in that, that there's just one game that kind of turns the season around? No, not really. I don't. I mean, you hear it all the time, and I'm, I'm pretty convinced if you ever researched it for every 10 games that are called the game that's going to turn the season around, <laughs> nine of them don't, you know, at least. Uh <laughs> You know, so much of baseball is about the pitching you face the next day. So whether a big comeback, one game is the start of anything, depends to a large degree on what pitchers you face the next few days, you know. So, no, I don't believe it. I'm sure there, I'm sure there are probably some, some exceptions, uh, uh, but I think, uh, I think that's way overstated. I don't think uh, – I think, I think every game is pretty much a fresh start, and I uh, – I don't really believe too much in the magic of a of a turning point like that and and how it builds momentum that feeds on itself. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. The Braves Report is brought to you by Kroger. And if I had to bet, there's two problems that pretty much everybody listening to this podcast has. It's time and the price of gasoline. Well, your local Kroger has a solution. Becoming a Kroger Boost member. So this is a new level of membership that gets you more savings and more benefits, including free delivery on your Kroger groceries. No need to go to the store, no need to stand in line, and no need to spend any more money to save that time when you have much better things to do. Also, this really gets my attention. Kroger Boost members get two times the fuel points, so you get to save money, save time, and you get double fuel points. All this for as little as 59 bucks a year, so go to Kroger.com slash boost to enroll. That is Kroger.com slash boost. One of the highlights of this weekend is Charlie Morton finally found the start he was looking for. My last one was, like, I saw what I was hoping to see early. And that's really, you know, once I see the hitters that are, they're just, they're, the timing just a little off, late on the heater, swinging, you know, over the breaking ball, that's, that's really what I need to see. And then, um, and then from there, it's just about pitching and trying to maintain my stuff and, you know, my mix throughout the game. Justin, what's made the difference for Charlie on the last two starts? You know, I can't figure it out because this stuff to me looks the same. Uh, the difference, if you were to just look at it, is that hitters are now chasing for one and he's inducing more swings and misses on the swings he does get on his pitches. So that stuff has been the big difference for him. But as for the reason why, it's tough to pinpoint because the stuff has kind of looked the same. The ball hasn't looked bad out of his hand really i mean maybe he's not yanking some pitches or jerking some around here and there but um he's kind of smoothed everything out a little bit uh gotten a couple more starts under his belt but really the key to that has just been that he's getting more whiffs and the swings he does get uh the numbers were a lot better uh the past two starts um and a lot better saturday than they were you know on may 3rd in new york and then uh against the cubs before that and even the start before that um so he's 
it's really been that he's he's just really pitched the same way, just straightened everything out, and he's getting more swings on his stuff. He's a strikeout pitcher uh, and hasn't really changed his approach. So I think really for him, it's, you know, you got to credit him for not really panicking. Obviously, he's done this a very long time, and I know he said before that he would have retired about 10 years ago if he, you know, kind of folded at the first bump in the road. Um, he's adapted himself many times, but really didn't need to here. He looks like the same guy we've always seen. It's just that the hitters seem to be reacting a little differently than they were before. So whether that's, you know, just baseball being cyclical and things turning around or his stuff maybe having some more bite, uh, who knows? But at least, met, you know, in terms of metrics, the stuff kind of played out uh, the similarly when during his struggles as it did when, you know, he was pitching well. And, and that's why he was confused. So now that he's getting the swings and misses and getting those reactions from the hitters that he expects to see, he, he's in a really good spot. Of course, the Braves dodged a huge scare with Ronald Acuna this week. The best news possible. I mean, it's there's nothing big. Now it'll be day to day. I mean, there's nothing that, that says, you know, I don't know how long he'll be. We're going to make sure. But there, there's nothing that the MRI showed that would lead us to think that he's got to be shut down. So they'll, they'll treat him up and, you know, we'll see how he is. Gabe, it felt like the Braves were kind of comfortable pushing Ronald a little bit ahead of the own timetable they'd announced and pushing him a little bit should – we have expected some sort of little bump in the road like this? Well, uh, he's never going to dial it back. And we you hear this all the time from people with the team. You hear it from us. I mean, it's just how he plays. He's going to go full throttle all the time. And with that comes risk. And, uh, and, and look, I mean, it's – we'll see if he, you know, avoids an IL stint. Obviously, you know, the team at first hoped he'd be back in the lineup on Friday. Uh, Cunha said himself that he – you know, he planned to be back Saturday. That didn't happen. So, you know, it, you know, it doesn't seem like they've run into something like really bad here. But, you know, you do have to be careful. And Snit has talked about how they've talked with him about, you know, knowing when to dial it back. But at the same time, you you know, you do appreciate that just how Ronald's DNA is and that's how he's going to play. So you knew that when he was going out there that that's just what he was going to do because that's what he's always done. Justin, what's the plan now? Yeah, so the plan is he felt better Sunday. So the plan right now is to see if he can play on Monday. And if not, I would assume that's when, you know, just guessing that's when an IL, you know, stint would come, the IL placement would come. But because of the National League, you know, rules now, the universal DH really and pitchers not hitting anymore, you're not using as many guys, which has allowed the Braves to kind of buy themselves some time here uh, with how they're treating Acuna. And years past, this shorter bench would have been much more costly had pitchers been hitting and they probably would have put him on the injured list by now, but they've given him some runway. So I would say that Monday, you know, if he can play, he'll be in the lineup or available. And if he can't, I would assume he, you know, goes on the injured list and they, you know, could backdate that from a few days, but now, you know, have basically put themselves in a position where they need to make the decision. The other bit of injury news uh, that we've had this week is Manny Pena is going to be out for the season, which elevates William Contreras. Tim, what do you see as his potential? You know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I think it's clear he's got a lot of potential offensively, uh, uh, power hitting particularly. Uh, to me, when the Braves signed both Travis Darno last season to a two-year extension and signed Manny Pena to a two-year contract this winter, to me, that that said the Braves didn't necessarily see a big future for Contreras, at least behind the plate, because you 
you know, barring injury, you've pretty much closed that position to him for two years this year and next year. Now, of course, Pena's injury has completely changed that, and he will get a lot of time behind the plate this year. Uh, so I'm, I don't know. Justin, I'm sure, knows better. But my, my read on that would be that the Braves um, were at least skeptical of his, of his potential behind the plate. Um, now, whether that's changed or whether it does change as they see him more, uh, I don't know. But, but offensively, I mean, his bat is, um, is um, enticing for sure. Justin, what's his role going to be now? Yeah, I mean, he's going to be the primary backup catcher, you would think, unless Alex Anthopoulos kind of goes out and swings a trade here, makes a move, um, which I think the Braves have, you know, other pressing needs that that could go to. He's going to be kind of their backup catcher behind Travis Darnot. Um, And as Tim said, nobody's really questioning the bat, um, especially the opposite field power. I think it's just getting more reps defensively um, and whether he can do that consistently, that's going to become very apparent, at least in this stretch where he's going to be backing up Darno. But it's a good situation for now because with the DH, you can get his bat in the lineup as much as possible. Um, but going forward, we'll see how he develops behind the plate. I mean, his teammates have been very complimentary of him. A lot of people have said, you know, he's grown a lot back there. And I think Kyle Wright said that today he only shook him off once and it seemed like he was calling a, a perfect game back there. So we'll see how he develops there. But um, if it's any indication of maybe what his role was going to be, the Braves in spring training kind of started playing him in right field. Um, and he was going to get some time there down in AAA when he was there. Um, and, and they've even said, you know, Brian Snicker is, is, you know, recently is Saturday said that, you know, he could even keep getting work in the outfield and, you know, if they need him there. And that now, apparently, you know, will not be the case because he's the backup catcher. But I think that shows you a little bit of how they view his bat, maybe obviously above his defense, but but kind of still want him around. Meanwhile, the Braves bullpen ranks third in the National League in whip and average against. But one thing that has not gone right is for the man who was Atlanta's most clutch reliever in the postseason. It's Tyler Matzik. And one of the things we're trying to do with this podcast is taking you along for the ride with Justin when he's in the clubhouse to get the explanation from the players themselves on what's going right and what's going wrong. And it sounds like Tyler's diagnosed his problem. He's got some bad habits I got going on right now and fixing those one piece at a time. And, uh, yeah, just uh, working my way through it. How do you go about that? Like when you, you fix one thing and you try to like nail the repeatability on that while like thinking about all that, is that is that a difficult thing to do to kind of balance those things when you're trying to perform as well? Yeah, we're going out there. I'm going out there to try and compete and get guys out. You know, it's, it's I'm out working on things when I'm out there. It's, um, you know, just solidifying the movement patterns when I'm on the mound, you know, before the game or on the mound, uh, or like playing catch, stuff like that, you know. So that's where I'm trying to solidify the movement patterns and then, and then just subconsciously carry it into the game and go out there and just focus on competing when I'm out there. Right. When you mentioned bad habits, is that mechanics or something else? Uh, yeah, mechanical okay. thing. Yeah. I Maybe mean, we can break it down. I'm driving with my left okay. back leg instead of rotating through with my hips and not creating enough shoulder hip separation. Instead, I'm just extending with my, my left glute to try and prevent rotation in my back. I mean, it's a lot to break down, but, I mean, that's kind of what we got going on, and that's what I'm trying to fix. Uh, you know, it's close, and uh, I'm starting to feel it. It's definitely getting in the right direction. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's just a work in progress. Yeah, yeah. What does that look like when you don't have enough, like, when you mentioned shoulder hip separation? Like, what are you shooting for? Like, if I, I've just never, like, I don't know mechanics like you do, so. Like, yeah, so, I mean, like? it's just, um, I'm not rotating my hips, and, um, I'm not using the, 
the big muscles in my body, um, in the middle of my body, you know, with, with your hips is basically where a lot of your power is generated. And uh, I'm just not using it. I'm trying to compensate by using other parts of my body to try and rotate and, and create, create, a, create velocity and create a decent pitch. Should have put a warning on that, Justin. That was going to be some high-level baseball talk, and that's exactly what it was. That was a very fascinating conversation you two guys had. Yeah, I um, I always love. I have to always have to feel like I have to throw in the tagline of like, "Hey, can you please explain this to me?" Because I obviously do not know mechanics like you do. Uh, but I was very appreciative that he did because it's something that, at least from the press box, and like Tim and Gabe can attest to this, that you just don't see that type of stuff unless you're simultaneously watching the broadcast at specific moments. It's so hard to break that stuff down with you know a bird's eye view. Um, and so to know how it, not only what it is. And how he diagnosed it, but moving forward, what he needs to do, um, and just a little more of that conversation. Uh, he told me that it's basically, you know, a, a mindset thing where it's it's about getting, you know, neurologically, like getting his mind to match up with his body and what he's trying to do, and and so it it all makes kind of some more sense there. But yeah, you uh, you try to in this job just learn more about you know what guys are facing because i think if you can understand you can cover them better and you can be a little more empathetic to what they're going through um and i'm not going to pretend to know that i know all that inside baseball stuff and everything about pitching mechanics so i was really appreciative that he he really laid out the demonstration there gabe has the bullpen met uh the the expectations that were set in uh, spring training which were like greatest of all time expectations (laughs) uh those were really lofty expectations um it's not really something I'm too worried about with some of these guys. Obviously, uh, you know, Will Smith had had a tough go of it. You know, Kinley has kind of been what, what you would have what you would have thought. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be fine. I think, you know, by the end of the year, we're going to look at it as, you know, those kind of five reliable guys that they have, that they can count on those, you know, those are your guys. And But you do want to see, you want to see Matzek, Will Smith. I mean, these are important guys, but, at the same time, you look at last year, this bullpen was obviously up and down last year too. So it's not – has it met, has it come out like firing out of the gate going like, oh, my God, this is the best – no. But ultimately, I, they're going to be fine. We hope the Atlanta Journal-Constitution sets the standard for baseball coverage. We do have a special offer for Braves fans and listeners to this podcast. We call it our season pass, and it's half off our regular offer. So you get unlimited digital access to the AJC for just $39.99 for the next eight months. That's $125 a week. So if you want to join the community, go to subscribe.ajc.com slash season pass. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash season pass so you always know what's really going on. All right, so now let's look ahead to the next week. Braves are on the way to Milwaukee to face the Brewers. Monday will be Ian Anderson against Freddie Peralta. Tuesday, TBA against Adrian Hauser. Wednesday, Max Fried gets Corbin Burns again. Gabe, what should happen with that fifth spot in the rotation? Uh, my guess is that we're going to see Spencer Strider. And, you know, obviously, like anyone else, I'm pretty eager to see him and just kind of see, see how that goes. Uh, I asked Brian Snicker about that after the game uh, today on Sunday. And he said that they have someone in mind if they don't use him. And to me, that screams Spencer Strider. So if Ian Anderson doesn't have any type of blow-up starters, there isn't a need to use Spencer Strider, um, then I would foresee him you know, pitching Tuesday. The funny part about that, though, is that if something, you know, behind Anderson, if they needed more innings or if they needed something, you could use Jackson Stevens, except for the fact that he pitched today in the series finale so i don't know if that makes it more likely for strider to pitch in a situation if they can get around him we'll have to see 
but I would think they'll do anything they can to put Strider in there on on Tuesday, and it'll be interesting to see if they go with an opener again, especially because they're playing the Brewers and Jesse Chavez, who had a lot of success as an opener last year, struggled against the Brewers, um, but really was was one Adam Duvall fly ball, you know, caught away from getting out of the inning unscathed. But I would assume it would be Strider. What are you looking for on this road trip to Milwaukee and Miami? Consistency. I think uh, those are two teams that, you know, that, that have already come here to Truist Park. We've seen them. The Marlins are improved. Uh, Milwaukee is as solid as they've been in recent years. But the Braves need to be more consistent. I think that's the issue. When when you look at their team, there's not one glaring thing. Um, we've actually talked about a couple of them on this podcast, but no one thing is more glaring to me than just the lack of consistency right now and, and kind of the lack of, of fire, which, which can change. It's early in the season, but uh, I'm going to be looking to see if this team can actually play up to its potential for two or three games in a row and, and really string something together here, especially because they've pretty much got the talent to compete with anybody. All right, time now for our Ask Justin segment. We take your questions on Twitter every Sunday night. And Gabe and Tim, you guys can jump in too. So we will lead off here from E. Goldie. From your perspective, what seems to be the biggest issue facing this team? Consistency. Yeah, we can talk about, you know, the lack of quality depth on the bench or maybe needing, you know, another arm in the bullpen, whatever anybody wants to talk about with this team or another bat in the outfield. But I think it's it all boils down to consistency. They have the pieces. They have the talent. Um, they have the experience. Everything's pretty much in place. We just haven't seen them string it together. I, I guess maybe the the biggest uh, thing might be uh, the offense just hasn't quite been what we expected and probably what it should. I mean, it definitely hasn't been what we expected. And uh, hitting with runners in scoring position, I think they might have been hitless with runners in scoring position again today. They were. Um, so uh, I would I would say that's, that's probably been the biggest thing because the uh, – you know, with Kyle Wright's breakthrough, the starting pitching is actually, uh, other than the fifth starter spot, which uh, over the long haul, I don't worry too much about fifth starter spots. Uh, starting pitching's actually been okay, and um, especially if Morton keeps pitching as he has lately. Defense has been real shaky uh, in the past few days, but I it's this largely the same defense that was really good last year, so I'm not too worried about that. I would just say some bats need to come around. Yeah, I mean, uh, these these guys covered it really well. I'm not concerned about, you know, the fifth starter spot. Uh, yeah, they probably use another arm in the bullpen. That's something that we can talk about, you know, in the coming months ahead of the deadline. But uh, the defense is better than it's shown. Uh, several of these bats are, you know, history says they are going to come around for these guys. So, overall, it is just consistency and kind of playing up to what's expected of each individual. I will warn everybody, digging through some of uh, Justin's mentions, it was kind of a profanity-laced mailbag, so we'll keep uh, keep some of it kind of simple. There, that's what happens, though, after an 11th inning loss. But uh, from Mark Scheimer, are the infielders doing drills right now with Ron Washington? Yeah, that's well, that's something that's always done pretty regularly on a consistent basis. Um, you don't see it as much when there are day games because those guys don't, you know, do not, not – as many of them do as much early work or shag or do anything like that. But you'll see, especially on the road, you'll see Ron Washington, the infielders doing, uh, doing work. And as, as to what you said, Jay, uh, profanity laced mailbag segment, I, you always, you always take passion over apathy, right? Oh yeah. 
it's a lot easier to say whoa than giddy up. So we appreciate the Braves fans' uh, enthusiasm uh, and, and yeah. frustrations because that was a, uh, a frustrating loss. If Gabe, this was a Marlins mailbag, there wouldn't have been any questions. So be thankful. Crickets. You know. <laughs> Crickets. Oh, uh, 100%. Yeah. It's, uh, no, I can't wait to attend three more spring training games in Florida next weekend. Yeah. <laughs> next up, uh, Ashley Hutchinson and Jared McBee and a couple others had a similar question. Who are the clubhouse leaders? Yeah, a couple of the guys I've heard are uh, Darno, Swanson, um, Charlie Morton, Will Smith, just to name a few. They're really leading by committee, but I would say the two to look out for are Travis Darno and uh, Dansby Swanson now that Freddie Freeman's gone. From E. White, how about an update on Rosario's recovery? Yeah, well, they we haven't been given one, so the timeline is still 8 to 12 weeks, uh, which you know puts him out a couple months from that surgery, um, so into the summer. But the procedure went well, as we had learned a couple weeks ago. And, um, yeah, nothing seems to have changed quite yet. But we should get more once uh, once he kind of progresses down the line a little bit. All right, final segment of the show, as always, our winners of the week. Justin, lead us off. Um, the winners of the week are people, official scores and fans alike, who like to keep score during baseball games. Because you had you had a wild one this weekend with the errors, the unearned runs, the <laughs> caught stealings, the rundowns couple plays to play you know everything you could have imagined it's a scores dream this weekend so big big winners out here at truist park all right tim well i think uh probably to me the most positive development of the week which i guess makes them the winner of the week is uh how morton pitched uh, a couple games and how kyle wright pitched today because you know if if morton is pitching like he was last year and if kyle wright continues to pitch as he has this year that's two really solid encouraging pieces in the rotation and Morton you know after the injury the end of last season there was at least a little bit of a question and right of course there was a lot of a question going into the season so to me that's that's the most positive thing the other the other winner I guess would be uh whoever's counting attendance at Truist Park because it continues to be really strong I was interested to see um today how the 1130 start would affect the crowd and based at least on the figure in the box score and the Images I saw on the telecast, it was really good. And I think they're right there with the Cardinals, number two in MLB behind the Dodgers in attendance. Gabe? You know, he didn't have a good game today, but Travis Demerit deserves some mention. You know, he's kind of – that's turned out to be kind of a nice find for them. He's he's a nice depth player. Uh, He's been filling in admirably. Um, Having that pop helps too. So, you know, just a little credit to him. Uh, for kind of making, you know, Snick keeps saying he's making the most of an opportunity. So I think he deserves a mention there just because, you know, this team is, I mean, look, they they do they do need better depth. But, you know, he's kind of, you know, he's kind of handled things things well uh, so far. So good for him. And really, the, I just want to mention, like, the continued entertainment factor in Braves-Padres series. Yes. Whatever it is about these two teams, uh, it's – it's really entertaining. Like it's all you're always at the end of them. You're going, that's a hell of a game. Uh, you know, last year too, we, uh, that was uh, really. I remember Dansby told me that uh, he thought. You know, we talk about turning points. He really thought that series out there was big for them as far as really getting going right before the playoffs. It was the wild game with the Machado grand slam. Uh, for whatever reason, these two teams uh, really play great games against each other. So. Uh, you know, if they uh, met in the postseason, I wouldn't complain because it, it, it'd be a heck of a series. And we get one more team in the postseason this year, so that, that increases yeah. that potential. My winner of the week, well, it was going to be the Braves when they score first. Uh, they were 13-1 and coming into Sunday, but uh, that didn't work out, so they're now 13-2. and So I'll go with A.J. Minner, 
who has not given up a run in his last nine outings dating back to April 24th. So that's uh, where we will leave it here. So, uh, Gabe and uh, Tim, uh, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you. Sure thing. And we really do appreciate you guys uh, jumping on board here so far the first weeks of the season. If you have not done so, please rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe to this show. The Braves Report comes out every Monday or Sunday night if we give you if we get it done early. But, uh, Justin, have fun in Milwaukee. Yeah, that's that's a sentence um, a lot of people have told me over the past 24 hours. Never been, but uh, we'll see what's doing there. I'm sure there will be a lot of cheese curds. All right, we'll have a full report on what Justin ate in Milwaukee coming up next week on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.